Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative-specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. Hello, I'm Vanjie Dennis, president of ARN for 2022 through 2023. Thank you for joining me in the President's Corner. The President's Corner will be a series of conversations I will be having with colleagues around the country to explore some of the topics most important to our members. Today, we're going to have a discussion about steps we can all take for moving beyond burnout and moral injury. My colleague and guest today is Dr. Margaret Bilo, a mind-body medicine practitioner and as well an experienced perioperative nurse. She is the creator of Vital Self, a virtual healing space dedicated to holistic wellness coaching, and she works with healthcare organizations to enhance the well-being of their staff. Peg, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here talking with you about a passionate topic of mine. You know, after more than two and a half years, our healthcare team are still dealing with the global pandemic. I I call this in my last uh, President's Corner, the great revealer, and it's got multitude of ramifications. Can you tell us what is different now in 2022 And what are some of the red flags we need to pay attention to? Well, we are certainly in a different space uh, right now in in 2022. Um, Over the past two and a half years, all of us have lost something, some of us more than others, but we are all universally in a different headspace. We're cut off from family, being with, you know, our support chain, having human connections, we had limited travel opportunities. Some people, you know, like I say, they they had uh, more uh, severe losses than others with death and illness. So I think just overall, our whole community is in a different space. So that's different now in 2022. I think we've come up to the fact that this is our new world. So when you mentioned red flags, um, I really want to talk about a few things that I want to tie together today. One of those uh, topics is burnout. Another is moral injury. And a third topic, which I am focused on, is mind-body medicine. I want to share how these three things are coming together now in 2022 and very applicable to the peri-op world. Mind-body medicine, most people understand the meaning of the body and somatic responses to stress and disease, but often the mind is often interchanged with the brain. So the mind is not the brain. The mind is energy, and it responds to the brain. So they are both separate but inseparable. So the mind is, is really your thoughts your emotions, and how you experience the world around you. And the practice of mind-body medicine is really tapping into the body, the wisdom of the body, through evidence-based techniques that help shift you to a healing state, a better well-being. So not all the strategies work for everyone, but everyone will find one strategy that supports them the best. 
Examples of this, you know, are breath work, movement, guided imagery, meditation, biofeedback, hypnosis, and on. The next definition I really want to focus on is burnout. Now, as you've mentioned, we've learned about burnout in, in nursing research for years. We're kind of familiar with this, that, you know, those red flags of burnout is really that, that disengagement, withdrawing from being involved uh, in group activities or, or just, you just can't seem to muster up the energy to put your whole self into the job. And I think we see that in, in, a, in a lot of our employees now, just because they're so fatigued, they're emotionally exhausted. And then another red flag would be, you know, this lack of empathy, the lack of showing kindness, compassion. Um, often it leads into uh, criticism and critiquing of others. And it, it just usually doesn't end up into a positive space for the employee. So that's really, you know, some, in a nutshell, what burnout is. Moral injury, on the other hand, goes much deeper than burnout. This is something very personal. This term became uh, prevalent in the 90s in the military circles, and it related to a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress. When the soldiers were, were tasked to do a mission that they were not morally behind, perhaps knowing that they were harming others, and they were really struggling to find balance with this and wondering, you know, why am I here? What, what's the purpose of this? And this a creation of internal turmoil, you know, within their value system, it, it didn't get resolved when these soldiers came home. And so that really started the work of post-traumatic stress syndrome, moral injury, being asked to do things that, you know, don't align with your moral compass. And you're in this environment that you feel you have to do it. And moral injury or moral distress is different in that the person feels that they have a total lack of ability to make an impact or a change. So this is really critical because this is why it feels different than burnout. And we have more of this prevalence of moral injury or moral distress in our workforce now more than ever. And what contributed to moral injury? There are global issues that we experience and there are personal work-related issues. We can start with the OR. And I think the first element uh, of this is that there's a sense of camaraderie that has changed over time. In the beginning of the pandemic, uh, we really heard the term, you know, we're all in this together. And um, it was, you know, you just kind of tamped down your feelings and you pressed on. Um, and as time went on, we became more polarized by doing this. You know, we were asked to do things that went very much against our grain. And in the beginning, it was such things related to supply chain and masks and, you know, delaying surgeries, OR staff being pulled to other units that were very much out of their comfort zone. I know that this was really a, a stressful event. Then you, you progress into 2021 and the vaccine was readily available. And we all know that that elicited strong emotions on either side of the discussion. And then, you know, I think when they lost staff, what I was hearing a lot of 
is that people were losing some of their work buddies, aka their work wife or work husband. So people even felt more isolated because they were losing their help chain within their work environment. That, that was another thing. I, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of that to staff. It really matters to them. And then to, quickly, I just want to shift to the big picture issues that are creating moral injury on all of us at some level are also having an impact. So the racial inequities, the discussions about wage gaps, uh, the people that were profiting during the pandemic while others had declining resources to pay housing and food, toss on climate change and natural disasters. And all of that was mounting. No matter how hard you work, no matter what effort you give, nothing seems to make a difference. And it's going against your moral compass. People in their family lives were losing their health chain, right? This whole pandemic shifted families and peers and their holidays looked different and their families, some of them were torn apart. And all of that really played into people feeling more isolated because their support system, it doesn't work or those people are no longer part of it. And so there are so many complex issues but all of these issues, both global and personal, all crescendo together. And here we are in 2022. So I know that was a long response to a quick question, but I wanted people to understand how we can heal from this and how we can go forward, but how we got there. I think it's tying it all together. Sure, sure. Um, you know, we think so much, Peg, about burnout. That's the first thing. Oh, we're burned out. And, and you put a lot of perspective that it's just so much more. It, it's almost exhibiting uh, symptomatology to post-traumatic stress. Well, one of the things that um, I, I wrote about in one of my president's messages coming up and what we call world-imposed dilemmas that you talked about that contributed to moral distress. It's things that were out of our control. So as we've heard about burnout, and it seems like moral distress seems to be the bigger issue of trying to recover from, you said things are different today. So what is what do we do uh, as far as moving forward or what kind of proven strategies can you recommend that can really make a difference? Give us a tool to survive uh, this transition that we have made. So I'd like to start with Dr. Herbert Benson. In the 70s, he came out with this research and coined the term the relaxation response. I'm a mind-body medicine practitioner, and I think my core principle is the breath. The breath is the bridge between the mind and the body. And as you recall, I define mind-body medicine as, you know, your mind is your thoughts and your emotions and your responses and how you experience the world. And those thoughts and emotions show up in your body. But we have a way, all of us as humans, to tap in and balance that mind-body connection. And Dr. Benson brought this forward, and he created this uh, template that, you know, you 
the the client needs to you know sit in an, an environment that's you know self healing and in a comfortable position. They close their eyes. They focus on relaxing their body. But what his research is is telling is that as we take paced breathing, and it is paced and it's deliberate. You know, breathe in for four, out for eight, in for five, out for five. You know, hold, not hold. There's so many varieties, but the fundamental principle is that as you pace your breathing, very deliberate and sequenced, when you're in a comfortable position, you can start to feel the shift of your body coming out of that sympathetic state. Remember, that's that fright or flight and shifting into a parasympathetic state. You can feel your heart rate slow. You're starting to lower your blood pressure, your hormones, the acetylcholine is increasing to really relax you. And pace breath work is a fundamental skill that everyone has access to, and this can help in the moment. You don't have to meditate under a tree to do this. And this is why I like this so much. And how can we do this in the OR? I once had a surgeon tell me he started to do it every time he washed his hands. He would just stand, you know, at the sink and he would breathe in for five and out for five and do it five times. And he started doing it between his patients, between office visits, before he would go from one patient to the next. And it really helped him focus on his mindfulness, but also reducing his stress. We're all in a rapid, chaotic environment, especially in the OR. Everything is time sensitive. Are we starting on time? Uh, you know, all the trays up from central processing. There, there are so many elements to, to get surgery off the ground and do it safely. And it can get overwhelming. And then you just, you know, topple on those other topics that we talked about with, you know, what's happening in people's personal lives. And as you say, these world imposed dilemmas, it just compounds it and makes it very hard for staff and leaders as well. So I go back to breath work. And when I teach paced breathing class, I have the people visualize their diaphragm. And it just moving that diaphragm up and down on the inhale and the exhale is massaging that vagus nerve. And that is what's shifting you into that parasympathetic state. And if you practice that enough, and it takes a while, but if you practice that enough, you will soon learn what it feels like to be calm. And then you will want more of that. You can kind of put this invisible space between you and the event, and you're managing yourself and your response to the events around you. So definitely breath work is my top tool. Oh, that, that's great information, Peg. Uh, but here, we, as you said, we got turnover time, you know, and perioperative services begin, say, at the patient in the pre-op, and we're rushing to meet these timelines, and first case on time starts. So what kind of advice uh, are small steps? I know breathing is important. We're lucky if we can breathe, and you're in this chaotic, noisy operating room environment. 
what has some powerful payoffs as far as some steps that we can do while we're in that room? Here we're trying to position the patient. We're trying to make sure timeout's done. What are some little things that we can do to help calm us in these high-stress uh, situations? So one of the things that will happen as you practice your breath work, and again, this can be done in seconds, but you will start to pay attention to your somatic triggers. And those somatic triggers happen when you are in a chaotic state, such as you're starting up your room and all of a sudden, you know, an hour later, you're experiencing, you know, a headache or the eye twitch or, you know, your backache or a migraine. Those are somatic triggers. The whole goal is to recognize your triggers. And when you're in that moment, you can just take a deep breath. It's just breathing and calming the body. In the OR, I would challenge people to do this. Right before a timeout, when we all pause, right, that surgical pause, it is really time to, to look at that group and make sure everybody's eyes are up and everybody's engaged. And that's a great time to take a breath and then move forward, right? And what you want to do is you want to create some space between that chaos that's happening and you functioning in your role as the scrub, as the circulator, as the CRNA, as the surgeon, and recognizing that other people need that as well. Yeah, well, I'd like to leave our listeners with some tips or advice. Uh, can you walk us through how to do some of these techniques that may help us improve our own self-care routines? What I would encourage people to do with the breath work is the, the paced breathing. And you would just exercise this, you know, in your car, between cases while you're getting changed in the locker room, it really is, is people don't notice you doing it. You only notice yourself doing it. So we can start now. We can take one breath in for five. One, two, three, four, five. And out for five. One, two, three, four, five. Another breath in for five. One, two, three, four, five. And out for five. One, two, three, four, five. And you do that three more times and you will start to see a shift. It's just a physiological phenomenon that happens. And your whole goal in reducing your stress and your chaos is to get you more comfortable in that parasympathetic state and not defaulting to that fright or flight. As you get better at doing these exercises and you are more deliberate, you can do guided imagery exercises. And there are multiple apps out there and directions. And so there are resources available. And I, as I'm seeing, I see most organizations are offering more self-care and wellness tools in the workplace. Uh, meditation mornings, um, midday uh, guided imagery classes. Some of the staff are doing them themselves, you know, in a storeroom. Or you know, could we just meet for a, a meditation? That, and that kind of helps people really if they have some buddy systems because you know there is downtime sometimes in the OR, and and that could be a great time to use it. Guided imagery is another way to 
really uh, visualize your body relaxing and calming the body. And when you do these guided imagery, focusing on your body from sequence from, you know, the toes to the head, you will actually notice your spots in your body, your somatic triggers. And that, that's another beautiful way for these somatic exercises to help you identify your triggers so that you can manage them before they get out of control. The triggers default people into unhealthy behaviors, such as overeating, the drinking, the, you know, all of those things that just start that vicious cycle of not being healthy. Um, the body has wisdom. So, you know, listening to that wisdom is essential. I know that we have only skimmed this topic uh, that is, is absolutely huge and imperative to the success of today's nursing workforce and workforce in general. I just want to say perioperative nurses love evidence and solution to our challenges of today. And we want to thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I want to hear from our ARN members on how these techniques are making a difference in your lives. Thank you, uh, Dr. Below, for joining us in the President's Corner, and I definitely look forward to the next time. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk.